Welcome to the Armstrong Podcast. My name is Gabriella Armour. I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Sheila Klossner on this episode. Dr. Klossner is a physical therapist at University of Central Florida, working at the on-site clinic as well as with UCF Athletics. She is a clinical assistant professor with University of Central Florida Doctor of Physical Therapy program. She is board certified in orthopedic physical therapy, certified strength and conditioning specialist, and maintains a certification in manual therapy, the Maitland approach. Amongst other accomplishments, I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Sheila Klossner. Thank you, Sheila, so much for being on this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So a little background about my relationship with Sheila. I was an athletic trainer working at UCF Athletics in 2017 and 2018, and Sheila was practicing there with UCF Athletics, so I always looked up to her as a mentor and would always try to peek over at her work while she was doing her thing with the athletes. So I would love for you to share with me a little bit about your background and how you got to this point. Okay, sure. Well, so my background kind of growing up was a competitive swimmer. Um, and so I always um, involved in athletics and I went to college on a swimming scholarship. And unfortunately, the very beginning of my swimming career in college, I had a career ending injury. I tore the deltoid muscle completely off the oh bone. And back then, it was um, before MRIs. So oh, no. it took a minute. It took a while for them to figure it out. And then finally, um, by my junior year, they had MRIs. And then so they had the MRI and saw that my shoulder was trashed. And so I had to have surgery. And then that was it. You wow. Know? And I went to college thinking all these lofty, awesome goals and, you know, make nationals and go to the Olympics and you know, and then boom, all of a sudden, wow. my career just done. So along that path, I always knew I wanted to do health sciences, something medical. You know, I went to college thinking I was going to be a medical doctor. And then when I went through the experience of having the injury and having surgery, and I thought, hmm, okay, maybe, man, maybe I don't want to be a doctor, but maybe I want to be an athletic trainer. And then I got introduced to physical therapy. I'm like, well, maybe I want to be a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. um, but I literally did graduate college still thinking I was going to be a medical doctor. Um, I did not get into medical school. Uh, but divine intervention, you know, the good <laughs> Lord leads us on the path where we're supposed to get. And I ended up interviewing um, at University of Miami. I'd gotten engaged and moved down to South Florida, so I really only had one shot, <laughs> and luckily I got into Miami. That's good. And, you know, so I always kind of knew that I wanted to help athletes not have career-ending injuries. Yeah. And not just have their dreams just shattered in front of them all of a sudden, like I mm. did. So, totally inspiration of just trying to help people have a better athletic career than I got. <laughs> I've not even heard of a or deltoid muscle ripped it right on the bone. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you ever have any shoulder issues now? No. No. It healed well. Yeah, had awesome athletic trainers in college <laughs> yeah. and yeah. So when yeah. you uh, initially graduated, you got the masters in physical therapy. Mm -hmm. What did your career look like right after graduation? So I ended up getting a position at um, the outpatient clinic where I had my last internship in Fort Lauderdale um, and 
I got married a month before PT school. And so my husband was coaching swimming at a school in Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. And then he got recruited to coach out in Phoenix, Arizona. So off we went to Arizona. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to just like start to volunteer with USA Swimming. The campus where he was coaching hosted a lot of USA Swimming kind of weekend developmental classes or developmental um, developmental camps. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to volunteer. I'll volunteer to give shoulder talks or flexibility talks or, you know, and so being a swimmer was my way to give back to my sport. Yeah. And then now also developing how to give back to my profession. So I just started volunteering with USA Swimming and, you know, just being present at the camps, and then one day they called me up and they said, hey, do you want to start to travel with the national team? I was like, of course, absolutely. (laughs) So then I started traveling. Um, 1999, I did my first Pan Pacific Championships. I did the first competition with the national team in Australia, and then the next year was the Sydney Olympics. So wow. that was super fun, <laughs> yeah, being part of the medical staff. And then so I continued to travel with them for the next five years. Uh, I went up through the 2004 Olympics, and then life takes its turns, and then I got pregnant um, <laughs> after that, and then so I had my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we had moved here to Orlando, and just different dynamics of the work environment, and then having a child, and and I was like, okay, it's time to, you know, transition and mm-hmm. not do the big trips because you'd be gone for six weeks at a time. From Phoenix, we went to the University of South Carolina. And so I continued to work with the university there with their athletic program and with their swimmers um, and traveled, you know, with the women's team to nationals and things like that. And then when we moved here, I was like, well, naturally, I'll, I'll just start to work with the university that's here. Yeah. And I'm sure they have a swim team. Lo and behold, (laughs) no swim team at UCF. Um, But I did kind of find my way to Florida Hospital. Currently, they had the contract at the time with athletics. And again, just divine intervention. The good Lord just plants you in the right spot at the right time. Um, Just started working with UCF Athletics in 2005. Been there ever since. Yeah. So you just kind of came to Orlando and already knew that you wanted to work with athletics how did you, I guess, get in that position? So we were six years in Arizona, and I did all outpatient orthopedics there and worked with all the swim teams there. And then um, the doctors that I worked with, they were working with the Diamondbacks when they first started. And so I was helping out kind of building all care for their staff and everything with the Diamondbacks. And then when we moved to South Carolina, you know, my husband was coaching for the club team at the university. So I just, again, naturally kind of found the clinic that worked closely with, with athletics. And, mm-hmm. and again, just develop the relationships yeah. and just volunteer. I can't encourage enough about volunteering. Just to, to get to know people, get your name out there, let them get to know you and what you could do. Mm-hmm. So I was volunteering and then the relationship just developed with the team physicians that worked with the athletes at South Carolina. Um, and then it just kind of naturally just kept going as I moved here. I was like, well, I'll seek out yeah. you know, the clinic that works with the athletes here and see where it goes. When in your career did you decide to get your certifications? Um, I kind of did challenges along the way. So I'm... I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. I, I just <laughs> I love to study. I love to learn. Um... I am very competitive, and so I just really like to push and drive mm-hmm. and just kind of 
what's the next thing I can do? Mm. So within a couple of years after graduating PT school, you know, when I got my CSCS, and then when I moved to South Carolina, one of the other faculty, we were just like, hey, let's 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 get our OCS. Mm. Okay, let's do it. Let's get our OCS. Um, and then when I moved here, I was like, okay, what can I do next? <laughs> okay, I'll get manually certified. Yeah. So, okay, let's get Maitland certified. And you just find colleagues that you work with. And mm-hmm. it's so much fun to have, like, a colleague to do it with. So all of my certifications have really kind of camaraderie and yeah. you know, done it with another staff member. Um, yeah, and then so... Yeah, so the OCS and the CSCS. Yeah, the CSCS and then the orthopedic manual therapy. That's helpful. Yeah. I just love having extra little challenges. When you were still, or I guess when you were working with athletics, did you ever feel like the PT education wasn't enough to get you by working with athletics? Um, Not that it wasn't enough, but that you needed to streamline or, or, or really kind of design a path of specialization Mm -hmm. like you need to seek out classes that are going to help you develop those skills um and I think again just being an athlete myself and going through the traumatic experience that I went through Mm -hmm. definitely helped me structure kind of how I wanted to design my career and how I wanted to um you know develop my skills um you know, and a lot of times I, I always say like, oh man, I wish I would have, you know, I wish I would have this or I wish I would have that. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times I'll say, you know, I wish I would have done different certifications or gotten my athletic training license or, you know, different things. But, you know, you just got to roll with it and, yeah. and look forward and look for the classes that are going to develop your skills and develop a specialization. Like mm-hmm. I feel that I provide um, such a, a wonderful um, piece of the puzzle to our team approach with my manual skills, you know, and then being specialized in orthopedics and like my differential diagnosis and, yeah. you know, just kind of playing a part of the team. Definitely. Speaking of differential diagnosis, your Instagram account that you just created, the OrthoPT Guru, tell me a little bit about that and what kind of streamlined or started up your idea to share that with <laughs> students and kind of just the population, PT population. Well, again, so I kind of just got the itch to just, I need to do something, <laughs> do something more. Else. <laughs> I need, you know, what else can I do? And I I just, and, and again, like different phases in your life and different times with your family and just how different things evolve as you mm-hmm. age. Um, you know, I was like, social media is amazing with sharing exercises, thousand exercises on social media. And so I'm thinking, what, what can I add? What, what can I provide that could give people help and I love like my passion is teaching and treating I just I love love what I do and I (laughs) love teaching and I love helping new students so I was like you know what why don't I like try to start to create something that gives people advice or input or tips to, to how to evaluate better yeah how to help you know, students or new grads or PTs that have been out for a while that maybe don't have a mentor at their clinic. Yeah. You know, a lot of PTs land at really small clinics where sometimes they're by themselves or only one other person. Uh, so I'm like, you know what? Maybe that'll be a cool niche. Maybe I'll help. Yeah. Like people. I think it's different than what's out there. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully it'll continue to grow. I've kind of had to pause a little bit 
you know, life. family things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But just sharing, you know, because I think the evaluation is so vital. Like, it's so important to establish the relationship with the patient, to get to know them, to learn what's important in their life, to mm-hmm. learn what their goals are. And, and then as a physical therapist, okay, how can I help change the quality of their life? How can I affect their life? You know, how can I provide them with the best medical care that, that I've learned in school? Yeah. I mean, this is my first year being a preceptor or a CI for the PT program. And it's just a different mentality. I think from traditional athletic training, eval, you see that athletes all the time. You're around them, I don't know, literally every single day as an athletic trainer. So transitioning to PT, there's so many pieces of the puzzle that you really have to dig into and discover in your one hour first evaluation Mm -hmm. and then ongoing relationship, obviously, throughout the patient's plan of care. Mm -hmm. But having that personal connection, building that therapeutic alliance is Mm -hmm. so important Mm -hmm. right off the bat. Mm -hmm. For their outcomes, so much of their outcomes too is mental. And then with the manual therapy, Mm -hmm. having a hands-on touch, I feel like just shoots them through the roof to recovery. Yeah. And I think for me, it's some of my kind of personality trait of loving (laughs) puzzles. Like loving solving things and figuring things out. And Mm -hmm. try to like... Okay, why is this happening? And I love it. I love the challenge. <laughs> like, the more difficult the challenge, the better. Yeah. On, on you know, why are you in pain? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the pain generating tissue? What are the biomechanical problems? What is too tight? What is too weak? How, how can I solve this puzzle? Definitely. So yeah, that that fires me up every yeah. day. <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of students too, and you know, first year, second year. They're trying to memorize everything, and while I went through school, yeah, I probably could have studied a little bit more, but my brain works in puzzle-solving mode, so I'm not trying to memorize, like, root answers and, um, you know, all the numbers. I'm thinking, like, why does X equal Z? Exactly. What is the cause or the root problem or uh, contributing factor that can be causing this? So... Good way of thinking. If you guys want to follow Sheila at OrthoPTGuru on Instagram for some tips and tricks, I'll go ahead and put her information in the tab below. So I want to talk a little bit more about your manual therapy because when I was in undergrad, kind of watching you from afar, there was always one mobilization or I don't technique, I don't know what you would call it exactly, but the tibial, tibial nerve mobilization. <laughs> so Sheila would do this thing and like it would... athletes would walk away it's so confused like what just happened she rubbed my ankle and then what was that it bit Mm -hmm. release okay can you go into detail about what that is well so this goes back to one of my mentors um connie sellers which i haven't talked to in forever so if you're out there hello (laughs) um she was a massage therapist at auburn and she traveled with usa swimming as well and she was petite but she worked with very large athletes. And so she was like, Sheila, I had to figure out how can I affect the body the most effectively without killing my own body. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, you know, I studied the central nervous system. I studied the nerves. You know, and you think, oh, I'm an orthopedic therapist. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, neuro. But really every therapist is a neurotherapist because of the central nervous system. So she's like, I studied the body, you know, studied the spiral patterns, study anatomy trains. I, I believe it's Thomas Myers that, that wrote that book. But learning how to change the message from the brain to the muscle. 
And so she literally could like melt you off the table with like 10 different points on your body where you can contact the nerve. And it's like doing a myofascial release technique at the nerve that then releases the restriction of the signaling to the tissue. Mm. So you just are learning and finding, you know, where can I contact the nerve most superficial point so that I can release the adhesion, any connective tissue restrictions at the nerve that then corresponds to releasing the muscle. Interesting. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing little magic trick. Very cool. Um, no, I love it. But yeah, I mean, it really is founded in you know physiology and anatomy, and mm-hmm. you know again, just like joint mobilizations. You know, again, you're you're affecting the central nervous system. So a lot of times, if you go ahead and do your mobilizations first the muscle will release mm. and you're not having to strain so much physically with a direct massage or direct muscle technique if you've affected the central nervous system and gotten the brain to help you release restriction to the tissue. So with your certification in manual therapy, how do you think it changed your treatment approach with athletes or with patients in general? Um, well, again, definitely being able to be more effective quicker you know the name of the game in athletics is go 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 get them in get them out get them in and get them back on the field get them back on the track back in the pool you know wherever get them back into their competition so you're going to utilize everything at your disposal whether it's a modality or whether it's your physical you know your technique so i think the skill of being effective hands-on you know magnifies your ability and I will say just one thing that has advanced for me is now being certified in dry needling. And I see fabulous results, amazing results with dry needling. And it's not to say I've abandoned my hands. Yeah. Um, but it's but another tool in the toolbox. It's tool another box. tool in the toolbox. Yeah. So, and again, the whole point of dry needling is talk to the central nervous system. Yeah. So you get immediate reaction, immediate change in the message of the brain to the tissue. So between my hands and my needles, <laughs> I can pretty much release anything that's tight. I kind of want to pick your brain in regards to a little bit more holistic approaches and the crossover with traditional or like Western medicine. Mm-hmm. So in regards to the reflection of dry needling and acupuncture or cupping as a approach versus you know, what research says and all that. Because a lot of manual therapy techniques aren't so mm-hmm. based in the books and in the literature. Mm-hmm. It's more of just manual therapy works. Mm-hmm. What would your say on that be for people who are a little bit doubting of the, we'll say, we'll, we'll just categorize it as holistic. Yeah, treatment. yeah. Well, I appreciate that our profession has kind of evolved from evidence-based practice to evidence-informed practice Mm -hmm. because there are so many amazing modalities, amazing approaches, amazing things to affect the human body that it's impossible to have research on every single one of those things. You know, so you you do have to, again, um, be appreciative of the research, know the research, be up to date, but know that maybe there's not research on it yet. And then you blend in the fact that I'm going to try this with this patient. I know I'm going to do no harm. So, of course, let that be your your guide. Yeah, of course. Do no harm. You may not have research associated with it, but let's do this and let's see the response. And then that's where you grow as a clinician 
is the comparison. All right, I tried this on this patient. It worked great. Okay, I'm gonna try it on this patient and see what happens. All right, maybe it didn't go great on that patient. Okay, let's remember these things. And that's where all the self-reflection comes in of just learning what worked with this patient, what doesn't work with that patient. And again, I'm so open to trying just about anything mm -hmm. if I know there's no harm. Um, but there's just so many amazing techniques, amazing modalities that if you see it work and you didn't hurt the patient and you made the patient better, go for it. Yeah. Maybe you want to initiate that research. Maybe you start the research yeah. on that. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And that's, again, that's how we grow. That's how we get better. You learn from experiences. I share with my patients all the time, or with my students all the time, techniques that I learned the hard way. I made this patient really sore. I made mm -hmm. this patient not feel so good. But, okay, so I learned from that. I changed my technique and I evolved into doing something better. And then I always tell my students, you're getting it now in school <laughs> when, you know, I didn't learn this till five years ago. Um, but, but again, that's how Try we that. all get better. Yeah. 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 Making mistakes and learning from yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Not at the patient expense. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Keep, Maybe a little keep sore safe. Though, so yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. yeah. Um, so as a clinician, obviously you've grown so much over the years. Is there anything in particular that or any patient case in particular where you, not doubted yourself, but you, I don't know, how would I say this? Because I'm finding myself come in contact with a few patients from like, I have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. No matter what the research mm -hmm. says, mm -hmm. no matter, you know, what a prior approaches we've taken, nothing's working, this person isn't getting better, no matter how much I try manual therapy techniques or whatever. Yeah, great question. And... I've definitely had those patients, um, and I will say it definitely takes confidence in knowing your skills and knowing what you do know, but being humble enough to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Ask a colleague, you know, reach out to a former professor, or, you know, don't be afraid to not know everything. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to, you know, ask even someone from another discipline and, and, you know, get a colleague. Maybe they can, can this patient get on your schedule for a visit just to see what you see? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that has definitely helped me through the years. Of course, you know, we all want to try to, you know, be the best and take care of everybody and not screw up and know everything. But you're only doing your patient a disservice if you stick with that, you know, so... You get, just have some humility, mm -hmm. know that you don't know everything, make sure that you, you know, you feel comfortable in either going to the literature, reaching out to a professor, or, you know, get in touch with a colleague or even, you know, one of your coworkers, hopefully, yeah. where you work that you can just say help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. And yeah. I think yeah. that's the... One of the biggest reasons why I love the position that I'm now is just because of that mentorship. Mm -hmm. Because my first job straight out of school, that wasn't really... All the clinicians are pretty young. Yeah. So for me to ask, you know, someone who's vastly experienced, it was like, oh, let me get on the phone and call someone. Yeah. So yeah. I think yeah. that mentorship is huge right mm -hmm. after graduating. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and kind of navigating the real world of treating patients. Mm -hmm. As an educator and a clinical instructor... Now that I'm one, what would be the biggest point of advice that you would give for someone trying to teach students or trying to be a role model as a PT? 
for students to learn from. Yeah, I mean, I, and I guess I would say again, confidence in knowing what you do know and humility in not being afraid <laughs> to say you don't know it. Yeah. I, one of the things I do love about having students is because they keep me on my toes. Definitely. They keep me engaged and keep me pushing to, to be up to date in the literature and have open communication of, well, what do you think? And what did you learn? And, you know, I know, you know, I, it was, gosh, it's been 30 years almost since I've been in school. So, of course, there's different things being taught now and, and just working together and, and not being like your student is your subordinate. Yeah. You know, not feeling like you're so greater than your student and you're so far above them. And, and like they're doing all yeah. the grunt work. Because students can know new and fresh things that you may not have learned in school. All the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> the they're going to have different professors than you had. Yeah. So they're going to get different presentations of things, and they may share some very valuable, fresh information. You said you're very passionate about educating and teaching and constantly learning. So my question to you is, if you were to give advice to a student going into a program or um, within the program of physical therapy, what would you say is like the number one top advice, top tip? My number one piece of advice, and it's so funny, any of my students that will be listening to this, they'll totally know that this is me. Know your anatomy. Yeah. <laughs> know your anatomy. See through the skin. Know what you're touching. Mm -hmm. Know your anatomy. Know as much about the human body as possible. Um, and then everything grows from there. But if you don't know you know, where the origin insertion is or know the action of the muscle. Um, you know, if you don't know where exactly lies, you don't know what you're touching. So That's be a problem. <laughs> know your anatomy. Absolutely, for sure. And then I think the second part of it is is more about building the therapeutic alliance, mm -hmm. is the human aspect of it, the personal aspect of it. you got to make a connection. And I always tell people, I'm not fixing anyone. I facilitate your healing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just a vehicle of your <laughs> progression to getting better um I, yeah I don't I don't fix you yeah I help you learn about you mm -hmm. I help you learn again like what's too tight what's too weak what's not engaging what needs to be quiet you know and and learn how to take care of your own body so you can have the best life possible I think a lot of students kind of get caught up on oh I have to know everything I gotta know this I gotta know that but can you have a conversation with a patient? Yeah. Can you show them that you care? Yeah. Can you pretend that you know what's going on and then yeah. can you back Poker and look face. it up? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah That's yeah. also important. Yeah. Do yeah. you feel like your anatomy, um, I guess, knowledge improved the more hands-on you got? Absolutely. Like, the more you took manual therapy? Yeah. And it's repetition, repetition, repetition. But I'm all the time pulling up on my computer images of a body part so that I can like show it to the patient and help explain it. You know, so never put the pressure on yourself that you have to have everything memorized exactly to the perfection. You know, it it's okay. It's okay mm -hmm. that you don't know it all. <laughs> Do your best. Know what you know. Yeah. And then look it up. Study. Learn. I mean, I'm constantly reading, mm -hmm. constantly researching. Totally what keeps her job. <laughs> yeah, so fun is that everything's changing. Everybody has ideas. Constantly. You know, and um, collaborate. Collaborate with your coworkers. Collaborate with people out there in social media. Mm -hmm. And we um, all help each other get better. One of the PT students sent me something in regards to, like, AI. And the, I know, I can't even understand technology now. 
let alone AI. But they're saying that there's going to be an implication of AI into physical therapy. I know. That makes me sad. I don't want AI. Yeah, because we're just... <laughs> then we're going to get out of the job. Of human. I know. I, I've got that email today. Oh, you got it today. Yeah. yeah. And it makes me sad. I mean, it's human connection. It's human touch. I mean, look how bad everybody, everybody got out of whack with COVID. Mm. When we're all separate from each other. We need interaction. And the power of touch is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know. I hope... I mean, I appreciate AI, and I would love for AI to do my notes for me. <laughs> yes, AI for but notes would be great. Don't my patience for me. I'm eager to see what yeah. the future holds, but yeah. it's like getting a little know, out of hand. I know. Okay, so working with patients always has its ups and downs, but with the ups, obviously, there are very funny characters and just funny scenarios that happen. So is there a memory, maybe recent, maybe distant, that you can recall just being hysterical or kind of making you react there was definitely this one time when I was in South Carolina and we had a professional football player he was defensive lineman and I didn't even think twice but I was gonna do counter plyo moves with him like in a push-up position off the wall and he was gonna drop into the wall and I was gonna stand behind him and do like a plyo kind of double push on his back. <laughs> the very first one, he comes bouncing back and it literally threw me across the clinic. And I, <laughs> the whole clinic was, we are all freaking out like, what in the world were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it like literally threw me across the clinic. You're smallish. Big, and then, patience. <laughs> big yeah, patience. Yeah, yeah. I'll have like big football players or big basketball players. And I really have to remember, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said earlier, it's so important to like use your body yeah. properly. Yeah. In the most. I may not be able to do their sports specific drills with them. <laughs> um, that would be a little entertaining, but yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure for you, you know, obviously having a background as a swimmer and now work not working with swimming really You've kind of had to learn more about different sports, of, of course, over the years. Yes, I know. I'll always preface with, like, baseball players or golfers. I'm like, okay, don't laugh when I'm going to imitate your sport or <laughs> imitate your swing or imitate your pitch. I always have to preface it with don't yeah. laugh. <laughs> yeah, I try to, like, sit there look at videos, and I would consider myself pretty athletic, yeah. thinking that I can do most things, but... I think, too, understanding different athletics, you kind of have to do the things to yeah. really understand the biomechanics yeah. of it. Yeah. And yeah. again, anatomy yeah, and all that. I love working with all the cheer and dance athletes because I have them demonstrate as best they can, you know, techniques or, you know, stunts or moves or tumbles or whatever. And because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to try to imitate that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, definitely. And kind of going back to what we were saying about um, having like furthering your education in regards to different courses that you need to take to be specific to working with athletes. I think a lot of it too is understanding the sport, understanding mm -hmm. the demands of the athlete, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a chronic, chronic sort of injury mm -hmm. um, or acute and, you know, how they're moving. Yeah. Do, yeah. Doing your best at, at learning the biomechanics, learning the techniques, learning the movement patterns. If there's a particular sport that you really want to specialize in, mm -hmm. you owe it to those athletes to become more versed, more educated, and kind of all the dynamics of their sport. Yeah. yeah. And I like yeah. now, too, I was just listening to a podcast by Mike Reinald. They were talking about oh, yeah. um, basically golf, assess golf assessments mm -hmm. and getting 
I guess, a certification Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. golf, and they have Mm -hmm. tennis and whatever. So I love that they have that availability to learn specifically in that so you can have that, that niche. Absolutely. Going in the other direction, is there a time in your career which was maybe the most complex patient that you've come into contact with? So my first year out of school, I had a patient that he was a member of a NASCAR pit crew and his leg was run over as the car was coming in to have the tires changed. And so he shows up in the clinic and you know takes off his boot and his poor lower leg was just massacred. Oh, no. They had tried pins and plates and screws and and I just started crying. I I was so overwhelmed, you know, and he was crying, his wife was crying, I was crying, and I literally did not know how I was going to treat that. I literally did not know what I was going to do. He had surgery? He had had multiple surgeries. They were trying to keep the lower leg from being amputated. Oh my gosh. You know, shattered, tib, fib, talus, calcaneus, everything. So it's, it's fascinating and how... Being one year out of school, how I dealt with that compared to like if I had been 10 years out of school or 20 years out of school and how much more comfortable I'd be now treating that situation. But we made our way through, mm-hmm. you know, and I had a PTA and another physical therapist in the clinic. And I really think all three of us really actually treated that patient together. Yeah. And it was, you know, a super slow process. And um, I do remember, though, even then being like, okay... Let's hydrate well. Let's take as many vitamins and minerals and supplements as you can. Make sure you're not smoking, you know, mm-hmm. and making sure that kind of every other little piece of the puzzle that could help this body heal, we were talking about. But yeah, I can just remember that. And again, you know, I've been a PT almost thirty years. I would definitely say that was probably the most like intimidating, scary, just blew me away of what in the world am I going to do? How do you feel like? your work life translates to your home life do you feel like you are because I know personally I'm constantly thinking about my patients when I'm not at work too so I'm thinking of like oh I wonder how this person is walking today I wonder if their ankle's sore oh my gosh I feel so bad that they are having a setback how would how does your patient care and developing that connection with the patient translate to your mental health when you're out of the clinic Great question, because I will say, without a doubt, my first year out of school, I did not sleep a night where I did not worry about my patients mm-hmm. or worry about how I was treating my patients. I can I distinctly remember the first year and maybe a little bit more where every night I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot stop thinking about work. I'm, you know, what about this and what about that? And did I do this right? Did I do that right? What if I do this? So I know that definitely took me a while to kind of find a happy medium, you know, of of just trying to, you know, leave your work at work, but, yeah. you know, still, you know, care and, and learn and get better. But that was, that was hard at first. That was really hard. And, and I will say I have to give amazing credit to my husband and my daughter because they tolerate me and support me of how much... I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, being a physical therapist is just, it's amazing, and I love it, and I love helping patients, and I love helping people get better, and so I pretty much do, quote-unquote, work stuff 
almost every night. You know, and again, whether it's like continuing my documentation or or watching a podcast or you know doing a webinar or you know just reading, I'm almost always thinking about my patients and thinking about what I do. Mm-hmm. So I give my husband and my daughter a lot of love, <laughs> a lot of thank you, a lot of credit for just supporting me. Yeah, because I, I know how much I love it. I think that's what sets you apart from. Other clinicians, though, is seeking more knowledge and, you know, constantly trying to make yourself better. Having all these resources is so helpful now, whether it's the podcast or the videos or social media, like you said. Um, So I think that's definitely something constantly to strive for is further education because that only makes yourself better, makes your patients better. But I will also encourage PTs and anybody Anybody out there, try to have a balance. <laughs> I've really break. had to work on Take that. Take a break. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really have had to work on that, okay. of having a better work-life balance and learning how to say no and Ooh. and learning how to take care of myself. Yeah. Because um, it is. It's hard. I mean, because you, you're passionate about what you do, but sometimes you lose yourself. So I definitely have improved and definitely have to be consistent with having, you know, respect for myself and have, yeah and try to have a, a good work-life balance did you ever see yourself wanting to work with professional athletics instead of because obviously you're at the collegiate and clinic level now with UCF I guess I really thought of if I worked with professional athletics I wouldn't have as much work-life balance because I really thought of it as I'd be on the road all the time yeah so I, I really you know thought of it that way in the sense of, well, I want to kind of try to have a nine to five ish schedule Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that I could, you know, try to have that balance. And, and my thought was that, you know, if I really went all in and committed to a professional team that I would, would have to travel and, and be on the road too much and not really be able to have, be a mom. Yeah. You know, and have a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and I think having an amazing support system, yeah. whether it's an amazing partner or parents or siblings, um, you know, it takes a village yeah. to raise a child. It does. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, true. You know, I mean, and if it really is your passion, go for it mm-hmm. and you'll, you'll figure it out. It'll, it'll happen, you know, the way it's supposed to happen and, and then you'll figure it out. But but not thinking you can do it all, all by yourself and all on your own. Yeah. Yeah. In time. In time. And yeah, be patient. <laughs> It'll come. You know, yeah, and, and, and it will because now so often we think about, you know, just breathe. Yeah. Don't stress. Don't chase. Don't obsess. Be patient. Trust the time. Trust the process. Just let things unfold. Mm-hmm. You know? Do yeah. your best and you'll be fine. A lot of PTs are like type A, like, I need this now, I want this now, I gotta figure it out and know already what's gonna happen. So I think that's been a lesson, kind of like finally being not in school and reaching independence and, you know, having free time and figuring out what to do with that free time has been very, it's been a life lesson. Yeah. 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 Finding myself and like figuring out what to do (laughs) with my life. What do I do with my life? So I always love to end my podcast episodes with one thing you have learned recently. So what has been one thing that you've learned? It can be work-related, non-work-related. This, I guess, we'll say this past month. 
Okay, so I think <laughs> I've tried to learn to stay up to date with the most current um, rappers or <laughs> music choices or slang. Slang. Thank you. <laughs> slang. So, okay, you'll fix all that. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 don't yeah. worry. <laughs> so, okay, um, just trying to stay up to date with slang of what all the athletes, like particularly, I don't know, like the football, basketball players, they'll all have just their funny slang that they use. And so I try not to be totally clueless when I'm with them. You gotta be cool. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I try to just stay cool with knowing their music, knowing their slang, so I can like, you know, have a fun conversation with them. Yeah. And they won't laugh at me. <laughs> I don't know. Some of these high schoolers come in and they'll say something and I'll just look at them with 12 A's. What are you even saying right now? And... Yeah. I mean, high schoolers, like, I feel young. I don't feel like I'm that old. And then I'll talk to some of these kids, and I'm dumbfounded. Yeah. But that's so funny. Luckily, I can go home and ask my daughter, who's headed <laughs> off to college. Like, okay, what does this word mean? Okay, who is this rapper? Google it. Yeah, yeah. And she'll keep me connected. <laughs> well, that's a good one to share. Definitely yeah. staying up to date to relate to your patients yeah. more. Have a good conversation. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sheila, for joining me on this episode of the podcast. It's been a pleasure, and I'm so happy we could finally get together and do this. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you would like to continue to follow Dr. Sheila Klossner, you can find her on Instagram at orthoptguru on a mission to empower orthoptees. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Armor Strong podcast, strength in the mind and body.